Thanks, Kevin. Now, hopefully the technology is going to work. So for those of you who have not met me, I am Mikey. And this morning we're going to be asking the question, is God pro-business? Not something I've ever heard anybody talk about, really, in all my years of being a Christian. So we asked the question at 9 o'clock, and we'll do it by show of hands. What do we think? Is God pro-business? If yes, hands up. No? Hands up? Unsure? Yeah. I, I wasn't sure when I started. I struggled. I really, really struggled. Um, and it was my own fault, because when Matt met the preaching team several months ago, I looked at this and I thought, yeah, I'm taking that one. That's easy. Um, we were joking at 9 o'clock, because the young, young people were sharing. I said, it reminded me of an exam question or an exam paper I once took, and there were two questions on opposite sides of the paper, and one was one sentence long and the other was a page long. I made the mistake of going for the one-liner because I thought it was going to be easy, and it tripped me up big time. And so volunteering for this turned out to be anything but uh, simple. Um, a lot of the credit this morning is actually due to Scott. Scott is not here, um, and I was chatting with Scott during the week, and he said, how are you getting on? I went, this is a nightmare. I'm getting nowhere. Every time I put something down, it's just, it's not happening. So he said, hmm, if it was me, if it was me, I would talk about this, 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 and this. I was like, you know what? That's inspired. So Scott's going to come through the door in a moment. No, he's not. No, he's not. Scott's down in Leeds this morning, but if he was here, a lot of this is from conversation that Scott and I had, and it then resonated and brought clarity uh, to what I wanted to bring. But as I said at nine o'clock, and as Kevin's just alluded to, those that minister from the front, you become extremely vulnerable. If you don't think that spiritual warfare exists, stick yourself on the speaking planet, and you will find out straight away all the hassle that comes into your life is unbelievable. So as I sat there Tuesday night, I picked the pen up. As soon as I picked the pen up, my whole body was racked with pain from nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. And I thought, that's not right. So I got down on my knees and I prayed to God. I was like, God, I don't know what's going on. Clearly, I'm not supposed to be there on Sunday. You're a free pass. I'll give it to Kevin. He can come. And instantly the pain went. I have never experienced anything like it. So it was a bit freaky. So I called Matt and I went, Matt, what's going on? This, this doesn't happen. And Matt went, that's a good sign. If you're knowing oppression and you're knowing difficulty and challenges, go for it. And don't be frightened if you upset folks, because these are God's words. So I spoke with Matt on Tuesday, spoke with Matt on Wednesday. Matt knows what I'm going to share this morning, and he told me to go for it, because at the end of the day, we can only share what the Holy Spirit gives. So this is my experience this morning. So is God pro-business? We're going to start with a little quick quiz. So the man on the left, his name is John. The man on the right, his name is James. And if you look, their eyes are remarkably similar. So here's the great, 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 great grandson of John. Any idea what business John set up? Looks a bit old, doesn't he? I promise you, if you like chocolate, you've probably tasted John's product. Cadbury's. <laughs> so yeah, so that's John Cadbury, and that is great, 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 great son. That is James, and he now sort of runs part of the business. These two, any idea who these fine-looking gentlemen are? One person at nine o'clock got it because she works for them. Marks and Spencers. Oh, Marks and Spencer. Yes, Marks and Spencer. That's Thomas and that's Michael. 
And they grew up in real poverty. One was the son of a Russian immigrant. So we talk about you know, immigrants and challenges and building businesses and new starts. Classic example there. Anybody, that's a bit of a dated photograph, but anybody know who that is? She's now Dame. Dame Anita. Correct. That's Dame Anita starting the body shop literally from her kitchen. That's how she grew her business. And then she sold that business, I think, several years later for about 800 million, I think, at the time. So it did pretty well. So those are some examples. So Elon Musk at the bottom, 215 billion, give or take. Um, that's what's in his current account. The guy at the top, anybody know who the guy at the top is? The richest man that ever lived. Come on, somebody has it a guess. I'll give you his first name, Andrew. Came from Scotland. Andrew Carnegie started out as a barrow boy with nothing, literally nothing, and was literally moving goods around in a wheelbarrow, earning pennies per day. In today's wealth, restated 309 billion. So you can see he outclips as Elon Musk there. And what he said, very, very interesting, was a man that is wealthy that dies with his wealth intact is a disgrace. And during the course of his lifetime, he gave 95% of that money away while he was still alive. So is God pro-business? I think when he has the heart of an individual that's prepared to do that. Now, you could argue the 5% he had left still gave him a good life. But 5% to 300 billion, that's still a decent amount, isn't it? You don't have to worry about your bills. But the principle was there that he was willing to give away. So yes, Andrew Carnegie. And if, if you've never read Carnegie's books, uh, they are well worth reading. Um, I make sure that my team have all got a copy of them because the principles he laid down haven't changed since he wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People and How to Stop Worrying and blah, 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 blah. It's an incredible guy. So is God pro-business? I think the bulk of us said instinctively yes, but without really being able, maybe possibly to articulate why. So this is what we're going to look at this morning, hopefully. We're going to start with Jesus, and what does Jesus say in the New Testament? What has the Bible got to say about business, if anything? And then I'm going to go on and talk about my experience, both as an employee and also somebody that wish you on me, we own a small business. So I'm going to look at it from two perspectives. Do I have all the answers? No. Am I going to get some stuff wrong this morning? Possibly. Bear with me, but this is just my experience. Okay, so Jesus, this is what we learn about Jesus. I hope you can read this at the back. So, this is Jesus' experience. Number one, he called small business owners. So, in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, walking by the side of the lake, he meets the disciples, the first four disciples, doesn't he? And he says, follow me. They were fishermen. They had businesses, and remarkably, they did. They followed him. The second one, in Luke's gospel, it tells us that Jesus was supported by a number of wealthy individuals who provided for him in his early ministry out of their substance, what they had. He blessed people and then sent them back to work. Sounds a bit like my boss sometimes. <laughs> so yes, in Mark's gospel, chapter 10, um, and in chapter 16 as well, it talks about a large crowd that came to see them, and he ministered to them, he blessed them, he empowered them, he equipped them, and then he sent them back to do what they were doing. And that included people that had businesses as well. 
He got angry. He got angry. And sorry, I missed number twelve. The wealth accrued is the uh, the rich young ruler, and there's a responsibility that comes with welfare that actually we should be willing to have loose fingers, yeah, short pockets. You know, you can reach the change and give it away. He got angry with unethical practice. You know, in the temple when the uh, the traders were there and he overturned their tables, he got really mad at that. And finally, the last one on there, the one that's going to bring everybody joy this morning, he understood, he taught, and he paid tax. Who loves paying tax this morning? One hand went up. Yeah. Tax just feels wrong. Well, we're all happy if somebody else pays the tax, but we don't want to pay it. And I was just joking on at nine, and I said, I remember the first pay slip I got, and I was so excited because I looked at the number at the top, and I thought, that's what I get. I didn't understand the number at the bottom is the number that you take home. There's this concept of tax, but Jesus talked on that. Uh, and so there's nothing in there that I can find that says that Jesus was anti-business at all. We're not going to read a parable of the business that was set up or anything like that, but that's what we learn from Jesus. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience, and I hope these pictures here sort of uh, tell a story. So uh, I actually haven't got it with me this morning, but to get into any of the buildings for the company I work for, we have a little card, like a lot of companies, and you have to swipe in there. Uh, and that makes me unique. So we have a wonderful thing. I'm not going to bore you with the details, but it's basically a unique identifier. And with that, it says who I am for that company, and I'm the only one that's got that. Picture of a judge in the middle. So I'm going to share something of my story uh, this morning. Um, some of it, I hope, will resonate, but I just want you to know that none of the folks I'm talking about, I've never judged them. I don't hold any grievances or grudges against them. That's all gone. But I think there's some lessons that can be learned by sharing that. So I'm not judging anybody at the time or anybody that this touches this morning. Hear me loud and clear. I judge nobody this morning. That's God's job. And then the last one is my path. My career path has gone all over the place. Um, not the way I ever intended it was going to be. So I'll share a little bit about that. So I've worked for seven um, companies uh, in my career. Uh, Japanese, Swedish, English, Scottish, American, you name it. Um, some have been small family businesses, some are the global corporates. I worked for one that was a Christian company and, and spent a year abroad working with them. Um, and then I spent time in Nashville in the States as well doing training out there and now work for an American company. So I've seen it in small companies that are run by families and I've seen it in big companies as well as the small business that we've got. But I don't want you to think this morning of business as a company. Think of business as you being salt and light where you are and what God's called you to do. So that could be healthcare. could be Kevin with education and teaching. could be the civil service. could be the police. You know, wherever we are placed by God, God calls us to be salt and light. So is God pro-business? I'd like to widen that and say, is God pro you being salt and light where you are? And I think the answer to that is absolutely, fundamentally, yes, he is. So it's hard to be salt and light in the world. You know, there have been occasions when I have had to take a stand and when I know that it has cost me and when I have suspected that it has cost me. I think many years ago, I went to a session, I was invited to a session with one of the companies and it, the heading was, and the alarm bells were ringing before I walked into the door, is there a place for faith in work? Boy, is that a loaded topic to go into. Is there a place for faith in work? So I went in there and said, yes, there was. And I was accused of being a bigot. 
to my face. At least they had, at least they had the gumption to call me that to my face. Until I walked out of the room, and then everybody came and thanked me privately. So he's taking a stand, whether it's in the schoolyard, whether it's at work, whether it's with neighbors or whatever it might be. Taking a stand doesn't always make you popular. Jesus said, take up your cross, follow me. Didn't say it was going to be easy. But being thanked by all of those folks privately just said, you know what? They all felt the same way that I did. Just somebody was prepared to take that stand. I'm going to share a little story now about a company that no longer exists. And I've not met any of the individuals in the 20 odd years since this event happened. So um, I feel that I can share this this morning. So I'd recently qualified and I had been invited to join the leadership team of a small company that was being spun off from a large global corporate. And while everybody else was celebrating Christmas, my house was full of computer reports and computers and documents everywhere. Trying to split one company from another legally is extremely complicated. If you've ever done it, you'll know what I'm talking about. So I was sat there with spreadsheets and we were looking at balance sheets and profit and losses and wage roll and everything. Very, very complicated and we did it and we got the business up and running. And it was a really successful business. It was going really well, a small team of uh, four or five people reporting into a, into a European MD. And it was all going swimmingly well until one day my boss just called me into his office and just very casually just asked me what my attitude was to civic societies. That was the phrase that was used. What was my attitude towards civic societies? And I'd gone in there with spreadsheets and a computer ready to talk about you know, the, the month's results and it totally threw me. And I knew he was getting at something, but wasn't sure what. And so my response was, I guess, pretty guarded, which was probably want to know a little bit more of what he was talking about so I could give him an answer. So he said, well, okay, let's pick some examples. What do you think about the Rotary Club? And I went, oh, um, see them shaking the box on the high street. You know, I think they do good work. And we went through various ones. And then he said, what about Freemasons? What do you think about them? And I went, well, to be honest, I don't know any. Um, no idea. I just want to know a little bit more. He went, oh, okay. Stood up asked me to leave, and then very, very shortly after that, um, the promotion that I was due was just pulled. Uh, and I knew that promotion was due because we'd, we'd talked about it previously. And then very shortly after that, I was called in by HR on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock and told I was being made redundant. Similarly redundant, and could I pack my things and leave? No explanation, no context, no letter, nothing. And it turned out I was the only, only one that was being impacted by this. So I went home just shocked, shell-shocked. I had no idea what was going on. Um, obviously got some legal advice over the weekend. Went back in on a Monday morning to you know, just tell them that I got some legal advice. And still nothing, nothing from them at all. And so I left that company, I guess in their eyes, under a cloud. But I left my desk perfect. There was nothing there that was outstanding, nothing that I wouldn't want somebody to walk into. I left it as good as I could because I always believe that good endings make for good beginnings. Thankfully, I was offered a, a, a new job within about four or five weeks and I never looked back from it. But I just was racked with what I'd have done wrong. Had I hurt somebody? I had upset somebody? I wasn't quite sure. 
And I, I struggled to forgive. I've got to be really honest. I really, really struggled to forgive. But eventually I did, moved on, left it behind. And then a little while later, I found out that um, they'd been raided one morning at sort of as the sun was rising um, by what we would now call the Competition and Markets Authority, very powerful government body, uh, for, my, uh, for basically price-fixing, rigging the market, colluding with competitors to set a price. And that is illegal. It's highly illegal. Um, for companies that would even dare to do that now, you can now be fined, I think, 4% of your global turnover. So the numbers are huge. And you go to prison. Now, had I still been there, undoubtedly because of the leadership position that I had, I would have been implicated in that. And so God getting me out of there at the time made no sense to me at all. None. And yet I look back and I think God was helping me. He was taking care of me in the most bizarre, strange way. And when that eventually ended up in court, um, under witness, uh, cross-examination from barristers, it came out that every single one of the leadership team, and I judge nobody here, every single one of them was a Freemason. And I guess looking back, I can only suppose the boss was trying to suss out what was my attitude going to be when I was made aware of this and could they bring me into the fold and try and hide it? That's all I can suppose. As I say, I judge nobody for that. I've forgiven everybody. I've forgiven the hurt and released it. But we have all got experiences, maybe not as severe as that, where we have been wronged. Somebody, you know, I've done this at work where I've done projects and other people have stepped in at the last minute and taken the credit for it. It's happened to me a couple of times. What do you do? Do you stand up and say, no, I did that? And because then you look, in that very British thing, you look as though that you, well, you're not playing ball. You know, what about people on teams that have hurt you and you've struggled to forgive them? You know, that's happened to me, I've got to be honest. There are experiences where we hurt and where we have been hurt by others in a work environment, in business. Why? Because we're full of flawed human beings just like you and me. You know, Jesus said, render unto Caesar what's due to Caesar and render unto God what is God's. It's hard to give our employees the best of who we are sometimes, if we're all honest. We all struggle with it. And then I thought about people that I've known. I know one man, he'd worked for 22 years, I think it was, and other people were fiddling their expenses. Not much, but not so that would have been noticed. And he resisted for years. And eventually, I don't know what happened, but on one occasion he thought, oh, just to shut them up, I'll do it. And he fiddled his expenses once. And guess what? On random audit, it was picked up. He lost his job, and he ended up in court. And now he avoided prison, but he came damn close to going there. Fiddling expenses. You go, I don't fiddle my expenses. Well, what about bigging up a CV? Exaggerating and telling, you know, maybe stretching the truth a little bit. Maybe not treating somebody the way they deserve to be treated. Maybe he's not forgiving. It's really tough. I struggle with this this week because I look back and I think, oh, Lord, I've made so many mistakes. Pretty much all of these things, I can identify with them because I know that actually being salt and light is really, really tough. And what about me as a small business owner? Well, as I say, Shoromi and I, we really have just gone on a journey. It started off as a little hobby. Some of you will know that between us, you know, it turns out I have a little bit of ability to paint. Um, and Shoromi has a really good ability to engage people and to sell. So it was getting a bit serious uh, when friends started asking us. And so we thought, right, we'll take the leap and we'll set this up as a small business. 
And that's why we were joking before about, you know, who likes paying tax? Nobody likes paying tax. But we said, you know, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it in a way that honors God. And so on day one, I remember writing the letter to Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, telling them, please, could they um, register us as a business? And then getting a mountain of paperwork back from them. Did I enjoy doing that? Not at all. But, you know, I can say honestly that every single penny we've ever earned has been declared and will continue to be declared because that honors God. You know, and we've had, we know of people that maybe haven't taken that approach. But, you know, at the end of the day, we, one day we give an account to God of everything that we say and we do. And so that's the first thing we've done. You know, we've always agreed and we've even brought the children into this because it's important that children understand from parents about giving. And so whatever we make, we give a percentage of that away to those that need it. And we even get the children involved in that, helping with those decisions to who to bless. We turn down multiple opportunities on Sundays. Sundays are a really good opportunity to sell. Trust me, if you want to make money, try and do it on a Sunday afternoon. And we turn that down repeatedly because we said Sunday is a special day for us as a family. It's about faith, about being here. We've also said no to several events where we learned that mediums and tarot and fortune tellers and others were going to be present. And we just didn't want to be anywhere near that, even though, again, the opportunity to make money was there. You know, we've given our talents back and we try to, you know, paint and pour, which we've done and some of you have been along to, so that we could bless the youth going to Mexico. But perhaps most importantly of all of those things is the quiet opportunity, when it's appropriate, to share our faith with people who we are traders alongside us, maybe with suppliers, treating them, you know, honorably and with respect, and then with customers as well, where we've had chances from nowhere to have one-to-one -one conversations about faith and pray with people. And to see, you know, I think the one lady who was in tears in the middle of a shop, just, just giving a hug and letting her know that we were praying for her. That wouldn't have happened unless we'd gone down the course that we had. And so, standing out, there we are, the little blue character there in the middle. You know, what does God say about business? What does he say about us being salt and light there in the middle? Maybe today you're having to take a stand on a particular issue, wherever you work. Maybe you've been subject to some unfair treatment and you, for whatever reason, you don't fit in. And you stand out because of your faith. Maybe you've been hurt by some experience and are struggling to forgive. Or maybe, just maybe, you've been salt and light. And you're thinking, am I making any difference at all? And my encouragement is yes. Um, keep on going. And as Kevin said, there's a lot of stuff in here which is, as the American friends would say, it's the rubber hitting the road. It gets real with our faith. And so we wanted this morning to give an opportunity where we could pray and to put stuff right with God and get help and encouragement if we needed as well. Because being salt and light is hard now and it's only going to get harder. And one thing I've learned is, you know, when I listen to the kids and they say, Dad, it's really hard being the only Christian in my class at school. It's hard being the only Christian in my company. It doesn't get any easier just because we get older and we develop a thick skin and we take a few knocks. It still hurts and we still need each other. And so I just wanted to just to, to finish just with a prayer and just to think about that this morning that, you know, we're not called to live our faith isolated. We're called to live our faith as a family connected. So we'll pray and then if there's things that you want to seek prayer for afterwards, then I'm sure Kevin can lead through. Father, thank you that you have a wonderful heart towards each and every one of us and that you tell us in the Bible that work is good for us. You tell us that in Ecclesiastes and, you know, 
Solomon read reference to that as well. But the work that we do doesn't define the character of our hearts. It gives us an opportunity to share that. But who we are is fundamentally much deeper, and yet we struggle with pressures to conform, to fit in, to be like everybody else. Not to be salt and light is the easy thing. But we know that that's not what you call us to. So please help us, and if there are things that we're struggling with, help us to seek that help this morning. Amen.